Stay tuned next for Universal Perspectives with your host, Chris Skyhawk. Well, we're back tonight. I'm super happy about the show tonight. We have a couple of things planned for you. Um, the main gist of our show tonight is going to be we're talking about Jackson State Forest issues, but first I want to, at the top of the show, commemorate the passing of Joe Louis Wildman, a local labor leader whose mark will be upon us for a long time. And I have a guest from the Service Employees International Union, Raul Guardia. We'll start out the show with that, and then we'll go to Jackson State. My first guest tonight is Raul Guardia. He is with an organizer with Service Employees International Union, local number 15. And we are going to talk for a few moments about Joe Louis Wildman, who passed, I think, about a week and a half ago. Um, many of us who have worked with Joe are still in deep shock that the contributions that he made will last for a long, long time. Raul, good evening. Hey, Chris. Good to, good to be here. I'm very happy you could be on. Raul, before we launch into Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself in the SEIU. Sure. Yeah, so my name is Raul Gardia. I've been uh, working with uh, SCIU Local 2015 uh, here in Mendocino and in Lake Counties uh, for about almost five years now. Uh, and we were a labor union, uh, the largest public sector labor union here in the, uh, in actually the, most, the state of California, representing in-home supportive service workers, home care workers, you know, the, the folks who care for the elderly, the disabled, adults and children in their own homes, right? Um, so this is a workforce that's been only relatively recently organized. And, you know, maybe I'll talk about this in, in a little while. But, you know, Joe was one of those people that helped organize this workforce in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, again, glad to be here and uh, share a little bit about how our lives intersected with Joe. Yes, thank you for being here. Um, I didn't know Joe until my ran, ran for supervisor in 2018. And then I got to know him personally. And he was quite a quite a, a unique character. I mean that in the best of ways. But you knew him much better than I did. Maybe you could talk about him a little bit. Yeah, unique is uh, uh, putting it mildly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is definitely someone who, uh, you know, a very uh, strong, intimidating personality, right? And uh, it, I, I mean, I think uh, I felt that quite a bit when I first started working here and, and uh, you know, working, you know, yeah, again, crossing paths with him in a number of ways, whether it was through union work, uh, through his work with the Labor Council, uh, or his work with local progressive politics. And, um, you know, it, uh, to me, it took a little while to kind of get used to that. Um, I, I think, you know, he's a very sarcastic person, and very uh, at least seemed cynical, but I know he wasn't. He was an eternal optimist. Um, but he came off that way, and that, that could be a little, I think, off-putting for some folks, but I can see how that could be a strength of the negotiating team. Well, Raul, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. I would say, from my interaction with Joe, you were never left wondering what he was thinking. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, again, it can rub people the wrong way, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? You know, everyone has their... Uh, their way of doing business, and I think Joe had a very old school style of, uh, you know, unionism. You know, when I think of like an old labor leader, I think of someone that looks like Joe, right to this day. But you know, things have changed. I think, <laughs> but you know, regardless, I think that was a, definitely a, a, a significant loss because of there was so much institutional knowledge that he had in this county that's basically been 
kind of erased, you know, as far as I know, that's not really documented anywhere, you know, the history of the labor movement in, in a lot of this uh, region of the state. Um, I know there's bits and pieces here and there, um, but, you know, in, especially recent history, it's a, it's a big blow. And I think a lot of us are still a little bit in shock. Yes. Yeah, so one thing is I know is I, I'm friends with Joe on Facebook. It was interesting because his, his Facebook posts we're getting more and more philosophical. I know he just retired, but I really noticed that. They were very philosophical. And I wonder sometimes, as people, I think sometimes we have an intuition that our end is near. Not conscious necessarily, but it was quite a sudden turn. And I wonder if you noticed anything about that. Yeah, you know, since Joe retired, and uh, I, I spoke with Sarah Reif about Joe a little uh, a little while ago as well, and I think I misstated uh, the date that he retired. He actually retired last year. You know, the time just blends all together, right? The last year uh, of living in this pandemic. But um, you know, ever since his retirement, I saw him more and more at the at the union office than I have before here in Ukiah. Um, you know, he was here. You know, at least every other day, sometimes every day, every evening, um, more than before. And yes, on social media, his post started to get a little uh, interesting. Um, and I, I didn't really know how to what, what to make of that. Maybe I still don't. Uh, but it, it was definitely, you know, noticeable. I mean, he was kind of being a little more introspective about a lot of stuff. Um, and I was actually, you know, uh, I mean, I guess it's it's okay to say I was I started to get a little worried you know, because it just seemed to add a character for him, especially him, you know, just showing up, you know, at the at the office. But it was also good to have someone, you know, because we, myself and the other organizer for local ten to one, we kind of work here independently. You know, our office has been closed to the public for some time, um, so it was always cool to have a presence like Joe around. So you know, we certainly didn't mind that. What would you say is is going to be his enduring legacy? You know, I mean, that's that's probably hard to say. Uh, I I think most recently, as uh, you know, a lot of folks under, understand, you know, the work that he did uh, heading all the way over to Georgia and the runoff Senate races, right, for the uh, uh, those really key uh, Senate uh, seats uh, up for grabs in a really very conservative state. Uh, you know, he drove his big van, big ass van. Am I allowed to say ass on here? Uh, over to to Georgia to canvas, you know, to to help retain a Senate majority for his party uh, to make sure that we could, you know, try to at least, you know, have a better uh, organizing conditions for the things that we want to see. Um, I think that's actually really amazing. You know, I, I don't think that got enough recognition. I know it did among certain circles, but you know, it's that's some dedication, right? To to see someone you know take a step so significant to do what needs to be done, um, and me thinking about the bigger picture and the world beyond just our our own small community um, in such a concrete way, right? Not just phone banking or writing letters, but actually taking the time and the energy to do that. You know, at, at his age and his retirement. To, to do that. That's, that's incredible. I think that's a pretty significant legacy. Mm. Well, Raul, do you have anything else you'd like to say about us, about, about Joe? No, I mean, I, you know, again, uh, I think you and I, you know, cross paths with Joe in, in different ways, uh, you know, at different times. And, you know, I think 
his personality and his style impacted both you and me in, in, in different ways, right? Uh, but similar ways also. Um, but I, I think that's uh, that's a very good thing and uh, something that, I mean, at least, you know, hearing his stories that he would share about, you know, the work that he did organizing home care workers so long ago and the fact that we today are the largest labor union in the state of California, right? That's then maybe that should be his legacy. <laughs> He's worked with so many different workers, but you know, personally, you know, the work that I do and the work, the workers that I work with and alongside with, you know, they, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the hard work of, of organizers like Joe Wildman. Raul, I'm going to have you back on sometime. We're, we're going to do a labor show together. Okay. You bet. Sounds yes. good to me. Yes. We're going to do that in the future. I'm going to thank you for being here, Raul. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to do something that you're not supposed to do in radio. I think that we should, I'd just like to have a, about a minute of silence just to commemorate Joe and his work. And we're going to, we'll be back. We'll put a song on in one minute, but we're going to just take a minute here to thank Joe and be with his spirit. Thank you so much, Raul.
Okay, I'm reaching into my personal vault of CDs for that one. That was Robert Hoyt from his CD, Dumpster Diving Across America, 1995. His interpretation of the poem, the great poem by... The, the, poem, the poem of Trees, the classic poem, and he just reinterpreted it for us there. I thought that was a good segment to start out tonight. We're going to talk about Jackson State Forest issues for the rest of the night here, and the tree set that has gone up. Michelle, do we have you on the air? Yeah. Hello, thank Michelle. You. Thank you for being with us tonight. Michelle is one of the support people for the tree set. We didn't, we're not able to get a signal to the tree yet. That's why I don't have the, the trees that are on live here, but we have Michelle who is supporting. Michelle, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your activities. Sure, Chris. Thank you. So I'm Michelle, um, and just a point of clarification, I'm, I'm helping with media outreach um, for the tree sitters. And I am, was born and raised in Mendocino, lifelong local, and have had a great week working on this project. Now, I know that we've had a lot of coverage so far on KZYX with the, with this, the Mendocino Trail Stewards have been here before. There seems to be two tracks going now, some direct action, the tree sits are up, so are you doing some ground support too, Michelle, or just media outreach? Solely media outreach. Okay. What can you tell us so far about the tree set that's there? There's two now, right? Yes. We have two, sorry, they have two tree sitters in two trees um, right next to each other. They're referring to themselves as neighbors. There's uh, Greasy Pete in the mama tree and Bugs is slightly higher up in her tree, which I hear is being referred to as the papa tree. Oh, nice. I see. <clears throat> I have a statement here from the Mendocino Trail Stewards. I want to read it because they are, while they're in support of the tree set, they are working through channels that are more legalistic, shall we say. Here's our statement. The Mendocino Trail Stewards stand 100% in support of the right of young people to protect California's publicly owned forests from logging. We are proud that these politically engaged youth and young adults are fighting for their and all of our future in the face of runaway climate change. These second growth redwood forests are our greatest ally in the fight to sequester carbon. We must protect them to safeguard our children's future. We as an organization are seeking legislative change. would like to stress that the tree sets taking place now and other demonstrations planned by other local groups for the coming days 
show clearly that the management of Jackson Demonstration State Forests are insufficient. We demand that CAL FIRE management, in coordination with the Office of Mike McGuire, immediately implement, and there's a list of their, they're trying to establish a forest reserve of 20,000 acres. So Michelle, yes. I have I have I have gotten a lot of I put the promos out today on localist. I have gotten a lot of inquiry already about how people can support the tree sitters. Would you like to offer anything about that? Absolutely. I just want to say in response to the fabulous statement um, by the trail stewards, the tree sitters really see themselves as uh, triage. Um, it's this sort of action is designed so that conversation can take place. And the tree sitters said it really fabulously. Um, it's a conversation that's much needed and that the state has not allowed for adequately. So what we're, at, what we're asking for community members to do is to call representatives and make their voices heard and support an indefinite moratorium until um, all the parties involved can have an adequate conversation. There's been a lot of concern about carbon sequestration, the ability of these forests to sequester carbon. Absolutely. And personally, I feel very strongly about climate change. And I know that I speak for um, the tree sitter group when I say that that's one of the main concerns, really to remove these trees that sequester so much carbon that um, are more resilient against fires in the face of what we can already tell is going to be um, an incredibly dry summer is absolutely ludicrous. And these trees are so clearly worth more standing than they are cut down. I understand there's going to be a demonstration in Fort Bragg soon? Yes. So there are multiple actions in the works. Um, there is a, nothing official, but there is a group gathering tomorrow at 4 p.m. at City Hall in Fort Bragg. Um, it seems that the community at large has really been caught up and inspired by the tree sitters. So while no one has formally planned an action for tomorrow, there will still be a number of people uh, showing up and making their voices heard. The, uh, I know there's a, quite a movement to really shift our perspective on these forests for, rather than being traditionally, the traditional model is harvest trees make money and there seems to be a real push to change the economic paradigm, the economic perception of these things in terms of low-impact tourism and, of course, the fight for climate change. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the time for that conversation is really perfect because, um, as I've already touched on and as I know others have touched on in similar interviews, climate change is really blatant. Right now, especially if, if you've been out in Jackson, you can feel how dry the forest is and it's much drier than it's supposed to be this time of year. So as a community, 
we of course have logging roots and those are important to acknowledge. Um, but the logging industry has been dwindling and continues to dwindle. And as of now, logging is responsible for um, roughly $100 million in revenue and tourism accounts for much closer to $500 million. Um, so those numbers are speak for themselves, really. Mm -hmm. Richard, are we going to take college tonight? Okay. We're not sure if we're going to be able to take Collins tonight. I'm trying to clarify that with Rich Culberson, who's engineering a show tonight. Michelle, let me ask you personally, how did you become to be involved with this? What's your, what's your life path that brought you here to this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a lifelong environmentalist. Growing up here, I grew up with um, hero stories about the environmental movement um, of old. And I grew up with Big River um, State Park as my backyard. Very, very lucky. Um, I heard about this action through a family friend and got excited and have just stayed in the loop. What is the what is the state of California doing? They 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 say that they're, California prides itself on being a climate leader. Yeah. So. A couple interesting things. Um, for one, Governor Newsom put out an executive order um, declaring the state would be uh, would sorry delegate thirty percent of land and water as protected areas by the year twenty thirty. And the tree sitters feel very strongly that the designation of Jackson Demonstration State Forest as a new kind of demonstration forest demonstrating climate resilience um, would be perfectly in line with that and would give the state um, bra something to brag about as far as our resiliency moving forward. How are the treesers keeping themselves supplied and up in the our trees? Sure. The tree sitters um, had some initial supplies and they've been receiving a fabulous level of community support. So uh, if people want to participate, what would be the vector for them to become involved? That's a great question. So the tree sitters are accessible on Instagram at mama.tree.mendo. And that's Mama, just M-A-M-A. -A. They're also reachable through an email account, which is the same mama.tree.mendo at gmail.com. If people don't do Instagram, how would they get in touch with you, uh, people that are working with them? Yeah, the email is really the best option, and that's mama.tree.mendo at gmail.com. Should I, um, should I okay. Okay, Michelle, we're going to see if people can call in. If you would like to participate in this discussion on Jackson State with our friend Michelle here, please call 895-2448. Rich will try and get you on the air. So, Michelle, I understand you probably mounted to those forests to treats quite a bit. 
What's your experience when you go out there? It's been a truly Mendo action. The mood around Mama Tree has been welcoming, warm. There have been musical instruments, small children, families, cyclists come by and stop and say hello. It really feels like any community function. We could be outside the Casper Community Center. We could be on Big River Beach. And I think that reflects not only the spirit of our coastal community, but also really the true um, value of the forest. So far, it, public, how has the response been from public officials to the concerns being raised? Limited and uh, relatively standoffish. We understand that given the current um, timing of all this, they feel entitled to remove the bigger trees. Um, and we, as a community, have to have a responsibility to say that as long as these trees are still standing, there is an argument to be made to keep them that way. I'm going to put in something here, not to put you on the spot, but I did reach out to the office here at Jackson State to see if they wanted to have representation on the show tonight. I talked to some nice people there. They were very cordial with me, and they said they passed my request up the chain of command, but nobody wanted to, to do it. But one of the concerns that was raised, Michelle, I wanted to, I told them that I would bring it to you. They were concerned. They said they heard that the tree servers were calling for people to come and camp in the forest, and they were concerned about fire risk, what would people do if they get out there? Do you, is there any legitimacy to that concern that you're aware of? Absolutely not. And I'm so glad you raised this point because the tree sitters have been very clear from the beginning um, that they take nonviolent principles very seriously. And in keeping with those, they've called clearly uh, through social media and also in person for there to be no fires whatsoever around the base of Mama Tree or anywhere that people are camping on behalf of this action. Additionally, they're calling for no alcohol um, and uh, for all dogs to be kept on leashes. <clears throat> I'll put out the phone numbers one more time. If you want to call in to be on the show, 895-2448 to be part of this discussion here. Michelle, are you a tree climber yourself? <laughs> As a child, yes, but it's been some time. <laughs> a different size of redwood, for sure. <laughs> yeah. what, what is the status of the coho in the creeks below? That's a really good question. And um, it's not my area of expertise, but I've heard... On the one hand, encouraging reports that there were some fish that uh, spawned this year. And I've also heard some slightly scarier things about um, potentially the water temperature getting too high in the creek beds because of lack of shade, which, of course, these the continuation of these logging plans would only worsen. I'll set it up for our listeners. How many acres are we talking about and how many plans? Yeah, absolutely. Um so the Casper Timber Harvest Plan is 500 acres. Um, and part of what's interesting is that the timber harvest plans 
don't all become active as one at once. So while the tree sitters are currently in the Casper 500, they're really encouraging the conversation to be about the full Jackson forest and not any one timber harvest plant in particular. Yes, my, my understanding is there are several approved plans or pending plans in the works. Yes, there are. And we would like to make it clear that um, the tree sitters are against logging of large trees in any of them. Mm -hmm. Do the treasers have, I know, I know we're not going to use full legal names, but what are the treasers calling themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> the tree sitters have taken up forest names. Um, our, the first tree sitter who's already gaining some infamy around here is going by Greasy Pete. And the other tree sitter is going by Bugs. Can you, can you tell us a little bit of... Are they local people or are they come from other places? Greasy Pete is a born and raised local, spent his life in and around these forests. Bugs is originally from San Diego and has been visiting the Mendocino coast for a little over a decade. So while she's not a true local in the sense, she has a deep and long connection mm -hmm. with this area. It also highlights the fact that this, while it feels personal and local, this is truly a state issue um, and climate change is a global issue. So while the stand might be happening here, it's the effects will chase us elsewhere. Yes, yeah, so it's easy to decry and moan about what happens in the Amazon, but there's something happening right here too. Exactly. Yes, I, I was curious about who the treasers are. I know in the 90s, when myself and many other people were active in Headwaters Forest, and there was sort of a, a cadre of young people who drifted from action to action all throughout the Pacific Northwest. In those years, there was so many cut, cutting of old growth, both on private and public lands. There's this, there seemed to be a whole traveling group of people that would show up at different places and participate in direct action and civil disobedience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we <laughs> truly, though, on here on the Mendocino Coast, I mean, there's such a legacy of that. And I would love to hear your stories from back in the day <laughs> at some point when we have time. Oh, someday I'll interview myself someday. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, but yeah, the, the current tree sitters that we have are definitely local. Oh. So if people show up at Friday at 4 o'clock at the City Hall, what might they expect to happen there? So like I said, there's no official protest planned, but what they can expect is a peaceful presence. They should bring signs um, and expect signs. And hopefully there will be some of the scripts that the tree sitters have printed out encouraging people to call um, state and local officials as well as the um, timber operators. That would be the city hall that's on, on Highway 1 or the one on Franklin Street? That is the city hall on Highway 1. Okay. We're going to take a musical break, Michelle. Absolutely. Okay, thank you.
another song by Robert Hoyt, Little Tree. Yes, I'm on there. This is Chris Skyhawk, Universal Perspectives. I have on with me my guest is Michelle. She works with the the treasers who are up in Jackson State Forest and they are concerned about the logging of large trees and the potential of to exacerbate climate change. Michelle, I, I was thinking maybe we would take this. I'm also wondering if you feel comfortable talking about this. It seems to me that these times are, as we're facing this climate catastrophe, I, I get the sense that there is an increasing consciousness amongst people about what we have lost. That is, the Earth is our mother, and we have a guy in mind, and we are really out of synchronicity with the natural rhythms that we are supposed to be living with. I don't know if you feel like you'd like to make a comment about that. Do I have Ron? Okay. Michelle, do I have you on? Can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. Were you able to hear <laughs> my question? Would you able to hear my yes. question, Michelle? Yes, loud okay. and clear. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so what I would like to speak about is the involvement of youth in this action and how in the face of all that you mentioned with climate change, how something as seemingly complex and yet simple as a tree sit has acted as a really fabulously tangible thing to circle around because we've been living with this monstrous scale of climate change for 
I mean, as long as I can remember. Um, so I know the tree sitters have been open about feeling that this is a concrete place to take a stand. And this is a, a clear way to affect change. Yes, I know for myself, I'm, I'm pushing 60 now. I am, I am really stunned at, at the changes that happens in my life. I can't believe it. And the changes of the, in the weather and the quality of the earth, the water that she gets, it's quite stunning. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think there's also something to be said for ideas of land management. And we have still um, portions of the you know dominant mind that feel forests must be managed rivers must be managed and it's it's this rather outdated hubristic view of dealing with nature when in fact we've been shown time and time again that no matter what we do nature will do what she wants in the end yes we still we're still operating on such a view that the earth is property right yes and that the earth needs us somehow to be her stewards when in reality, <laughs> you know, she's going to do what she wants. And sh it's been clear with hurricanes, with wildfires. We saw it, you know, with the attempted management, the Army Corps of Engineer on the Mississippi. And we'll see it here if we, quote unquote, manage this forest into a tinderbox. Mm. One of the things that, uh, that I always thought was very interesting to me in my years when, when we were doing Teresa's and activism, I was constantly stunned by how often people would have really powerful interactions with nature. There was a number of times I could think of where people were putting the Teresa's up out in the forest and they would come back and they would tell stories. Oh, the owls, they were flying right around us. Like, they, like the owls know. <laughs> Yes, clearly. And they would be and like, I, thank you for being here. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned owls because our tree sitters, uh, they haven't seen any yet, but they've mentioned hearing them. And owls are such a beautiful species um, and truly one of the more awe-inspiring, at least in my opinion. And the thought of removing more of their habitat is absolutely backwards. Well, Michelle, it seems to me that this is a good action in that there seems to be so many ways to be involved. If you are, if you are a person who likes to cl climb around the forest, you could do that, be part of the tree set and help them out. You could also show up at City Hall and wave your signs. You could also sit on your couch, watch your favorite TV show, email the governor, your, pro your concerns, things like that. It's, it's quite multi-level. Quite multi-level, it seems to me. Well said, yes. And truly for a change of the scale that we're asking for an indefinite moratorium, for the protection of this forest, it takes all of us. And it takes everyone finding what they're comfortable with, what they're inspired by, and finding their way to help and to stand up for this forest so that the forest can continue standing for us and allow us a livable future. So this is going to be the, what people are calling for is a moratorium on logging, period? Yes. The tree sitters are calling for an indefinite moratorium on all timber harvest plans, both approved and yet to be approved in Jackson Forest, until 
an actual discussion can take place. It seems to me like we need, we probably need one of our representatives, Mike McGuire or Jim Moore, somebody like that, to really pick up the ball and run with it, would be my guess in terms of strategizing. We're hoping that they will, yes. And if anyone wants to call them, I know the tree stewards have created a little um, suggested script and a list of numbers, and I believe those are circulating now. They're definitely up on the tree sitters Instagram. And of course, Mendocino Trail Stewards has is a real resource, MendocinoTrailStewards.org. Yes, definitely. Their website is really beautiful. If anyone listening has not yet watched their video, I would highly recommend it. I just watched it today as part of my preparation for the show. It's quite stunning. It's very beautiful. It really is. It truly captures the beauty of the place and the spirit of, I think, what we're all trying to do. I would also mention um, we are supporting signing the Trail Stewards petition. Any way that we can make our voices be heard is good by us. So do, do Greasy Pete and Bugs have any idea how long they will stay up in that tree, in their trees? There's no way to tell, really, um, but the tree setters will continue inhabiting the trees until their demands are met. Someone said the other day, what is time to a redwood? And I think <laughs> the very nature of the forest <laughs> inspires patience. Yeah. It's hard to feel rushed out there, and it's, it's easy to remember the scope of what is being fought for. Yes, they definitely are operating at a different time, those trees are. When you're out there, it's, it, I think that's why people like nature because it really has its own timing. Our busy world we've constructed, everybody's running around and have to do this, have to do that. You know, they have us, the, the economic system has everybody really struggling to survive and you're busy all the time. But if you can get out to those trees and kind of slow yourself down to the rhythm of the earth, I think that's why people like to take walks so much and be out in the woods. Really beautifully said and yes, absolutely. Also on the note of survival, there's this question in our, our changing climate, our drying world, are these trees irreplaceable? Will they be able to regrow to their height again? I mean, they've pulled it off after the previous loggings, um, but with the climate changing, with our, our coastal rainforests becoming a lot less rainforesty and a lot more sunny, uh, will they be able to achieve their size and status again and we just can't know yes i've been on the north coast for 30 years now and i'm surprised when people talk to me about how much it's rained because they you know we we did not have we did not have a major storm this year really one that really made the rivers run strong and it just didn't happen this year and th that's the first year i can remember that yeah, and it, it's easy to feel with California because we do go through this boom and bust cycle of uh, drought and deluge. And yet, when you look at it closely, the droughts are getting worse and worse and closer together. 
and which then in turn makes those deluge cycles far more dangerous. We have roads washing away, towns blocked off. So it, it's, though it feels slow and measured, it's drastic and dangerous. So Michelle, I'm, I'm of course super happy to have you here tonight. I'm wondering if other media outlets are contacting you guys and to get the word out beyond what, what we call the Red, Redwood Curtain. Yeah, definitely. There's been a really um, thrilling level of interest, and our tree sitters have been excited to speak with media representatives whenever they can. As you know, cell service is limited out there, so but a few intrepid reporters have uh, made the hike, which we're grateful for, and the interest continues, and the tree sitters are just hoping that it grows. Mm-hmm. Are they, can people approach the tree set and just to, if they want to go and visit that, visit there, is that being encouraged or discouraged? Absolutely encouraged. Um, part of what the tree setters are saying is this is a lack of acknowledgement of the proposed timber operations. This, this forest is for the people and it's state forest it was you know um it's it's for the people <laughs> sorry i stumbled there a little bit uh but yes absolutely people are being encouraged and if you don't know where mama tree is it's uh 1.5 miles past the little parking area with the kiosk um again like i said earlier the tree setters are very clear in their framework of nonviolence, and they are asking that people approach um, with kindness in mind, please, you know, wear a mask or check in before getting too close to others that are around. No alcohol or drugs, no fire, absolutely, and please to keep dogs on leashes. I have a, we have an email from a listener. We're, we're not able to take the call tonight. I'm sorry to say that, but we sent somebody sent an email. I'll give you their question, okay? Sure. This action is being energized by young folk. How do elder activists fit in with this movement now? Ooh, great question. We're really lucky to be supported by a beautiful community that has so many members with years of experience in what we're doing. And um, just here on the coast in general, and I know the tree sitters, their action is no exception to that. The tree sitters are definitely in communication with older, more experienced activists and are grateful to be learning from their experience and communicating and working with them. There's really an, an intergenerational aspect to this, both in the sense of older activists and also acknowledging that, you know, our, the tree sitters are 18 and 25, but they're thinking about uh, future children, friends' children, children of those children. These trees, their life cycle is so much longer than ours, and it's truly a, a feat of making resources available for generations to come. Uh, people can comment. Oh, another question. How do you ensure safety for the sitters? I'm glad you asked that. The sitters have been very cautious. They were all tr 
trained in proper climbing techniques. There's redundancies in place. Um, all the gear is checked for safety and they remain clipped into their harnesses at all times while they're up in those platforms. Yes, I remember I did some climbing back in the day when I could do that. And there's all kinds of redundancies put in there. So you don't, there's safety put in. There's a redundancy, so if you slip, you get caught. Yeah, I, we just assure that listener that nobody's going to end up falling. Yes, definitely not. Every, really every measure that could be taken was taken, especially, I mean, we're talking about an 18-year-old and a 25-year-old. Um, so they're, they're spry, they're cautious, and they're precious cargo. <laughs> and the tree sitters are definitely looking after each other and themselves. I'll see another one. How do you get involved if you're new to all of this? Sure. Great. Um, well, we, um, as a community, though many of us have lots of experience, there are definitely people who haven't done this before. And the tree sitters would like to make everyone welcome, regardless of experience level. Um, you can reach the tree sitters through their Instagram, mama.tree.mendel, or reach out with an email, mama.tree.mendo. Again, that's M-A-M-A, mama.tree.mendo on Instagram or, or Gmail. Um, and someone will get back to you and we'll be more than happy to get you in the loop. Well, Michelle, we're, we're, we're reaching nearly 8 o'clock. Why don't you take a few more minutes just to make some closing thoughts for the listeners? Yes, absolutely. Um, first, I just want to say, Chris, thank you so much for having me on the show and for making room for this discussion. I really want to circle back to a few points. First being how much more valuable these trees are standing on every level. We have them as carbon sinks. We have them as resilient big trees that are less likely, far less likely to burn. Um, and we have them as our beautiful forest to be able to go visit. I do also want to touch on um, the sad reality that this land was stolen at one point and the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo have requested a meeting to discuss the timber harvest plans. And we are strongly calling for the moratorium um, until that meeting has taken place and they've been heard. That is, would be absolutely reprehensible if that was not followed through with by CAL FIRE. And then well, it's hard to find one closing piece because this, there's so many facets to this. I wanna speak though about how beautiful the community has been and how clearly everyone has risen up together, especially, you know, after a year of pandemic, after the summer that we've had, the Black Lives Matter protests, the continuing police violence, this wider context of um, isolation and frustration, and to be working with the tree sitters, to be out in the forest meeting community members that are positive and hopeful and 
gleefully advocating for a future that we know we can have instead of cowing down in the face of climate change and listening to the it's too late you can't stop this argument that we've gotten so used to hearing has been incredibly inspiring and enlivening not just for myself but for the tree sitters michelle it's been wonderful to have you on tonight Thank you for being with us. Uh, of course, we will remind people at 4 o'clock tomorrow Scientists have in, Fort, in Fort Bragg, people can show up there if they wish to demonstrate their feelings about this. And there will probably be more information to exchange there also. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Well, thank you all for being with us here tonight. Um, it's been good to be on. And remember that we are on a silent drive. And this is a good a example of how your radio station is responsive to community concerns. So please consider to, to donate, kzwx.org. Here's a song from John Trudell. It's Crazy Horse. This is a good no song to go out with tonight. Thank you for being with us. sell the earth the people walk upon. We are the land. How do we sell our mother? How do we sell the stars? How do we sell the air? Crazy horse, we hear what you say. Too many people standing their ground, standing the wrong ground. Predator's face. He possessed a race. Possession. A war that doesn't end. Children of God feed on children of earth. Days people don't care for people. These days are the hardest. Material fields, material harvest. Decoration on chain that binds. Mirrors gold. The people lose their minds. Crazy horse, we hear what you say. One earth, one mother. One does not sell the earth. The people walk upon. This has been a production of KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.